Well, it's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? It's always an honor and a privilege to be in the house of God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence here today in our midst. And it's an honor and a privilege for us to be able to be in your presence. We reverence your presence. You are holy and there's none like you. And so we reverence your presence. We reverence your holy written word now that will go forth and bring about that which needs to be done in our lives. Encouragement, uplifting and correction may come. Direction from the word places we need to make adjustments but we know that your word will always leave us uplifted and encouraged if we'll follow what you have to say so we just trust as the word goes out now that the people will hear it will believe it receive it and those that consistently act upon it will walk in the blessing of God and will be a blessing to others in Jesus name we pray and all of God's people said Amen. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel, the first chapter. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And if you uh, don't have a Bible with you, you can raise your hand real high and our ushers would be glad to loan you one of ours. The scriptures, of course, will be on the screens, but there's just something about having a Bible and opening that Bible that I just think there's a blessing in that. And so if you didn't bring your Bible today or you don't have one, you can raise your hand real high. Our ushers will loan you one of ours. And we just ask that you leave it on the seat when you leave so we can use it again next time. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. At the end of the message today, we'll be dedicating Brian and Debbie's baby, Bristol, to the Lord. Um, Normally on baby dedication, you know, I'll dedicate the children at the beginning of the service and then we'll just go you know talk about whatever the Lord has us on that day but uh, just seemed good today that that we'll dedicate her at the end of the service and we're going to talk today about the subject of dedication dedication not just baby dedication but dedication in all of our lives dedication to the Lord um Several definitions of dedication, the two that I like most would, one would be to set someone or something apart for a special purpose, to set someone or something apart for a special purpose. The other definition that I liked was wholehearted devotion, wholehearted devotion, being devoted to something, not just with half your heart, but with your whole heart. We need to be devoted to the Lord, but not with a half heart, but a whole heart, you see. And so when we talk about dedication here today, we're talking about setting someone or something apart for a special purpose, our wholehearted devotion, you know, to the Lord. Now here in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, in the 11th verse, Hannah, remember she was barren and could not have children and, and of course she prayed and sought the Lord and, and, uh, God heard her prayer and answered her prayer and, and, uh, uh, she she was talking to the Lord and actually she essentially putting it in my own words said to the Lord, you know, if you'll give me a, a child, 
I'll dedicate that child to your service. And here in 1 Samuel 1.11, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. See, she, she was barren. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord. We could say it this way. Then I will dedicate him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor will come on his head. That simply had to do with the call of the Nazarite. I won't get into that this morning. But notice she says to the Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'll dedicate him to your service all the days of his life. And then, of course, in the process of time, she gave birth to Samuel. And notice in First Samuel here, the first chapter in the 27th verse, notice this, because here we see that she actually dedicates him to the Lord. She followed through on her promise to God. You know, there's one thing to make a promise and then there's another thing to follow through on that. She followed through on it. And she said, for this child, I prayed, you know, Samuel, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. Or we could say I've given him to the Lord or I've dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he'll be lent or dedicated to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. And so she, she told the Lord before he was born, if you give him to me, I'll dedicate him to you. And then he's born and then he, and then she actually does dedicate him to the, to the Lord. And then it's interesting. Notice if you would in, in the second chapter, 1 Samuel 2, the second chapter and the 18th verse. Notice this. The Bible says Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, even as a child. And notice wearing a linen ephod. And then notice this, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year. Notice that year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice year by year. What does this tell us? This tells us that dedication is not just a one-time thing. But it's an ongoing, continual process. I've watched this over the many years, and, and I've been guilty of this myself in the past, where, you know, we'll, we'll dedicate ourselves to the Lord, you know. And we think that, and I've watched lots of people do this, they'll dedicate themselves to the Lord and they think, well, I'll, I'll dedicate myself or whatever it is to the Lord and then that's the end of it. But you know, dedication is one thing, but then following through on that is something else. Hannah saying, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him to you. That, saying that's one thing, but then now here he's born, and then she followed through on that. Not only did she dedicate him to the Lord, but year by year, year by year, year by year, she's continuing to, to be devoted to this, uh, to this thing that she's uh, uh, done to the Lord, you see. And that's something we need to understand, is that when we dedicate ourselves to God, you need to realize dedication to God is not just a Sunday morning proposal. You understand that? De being dedicated to God. See, Sunday morning is just part of it. 
coming to church. It's a wonderful thing. But, but, but if, if you're only dedicated to the Lord on Sunday morning, that, that's, that's, that's coming up short. We need to not only be dedicated on Sunday mornings and thank God for that, but how many of you would agree with me? We need to be dedicated on Monday morning and Monday afternoon and Monday evening and Monday at midnight, is that right? And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's good to come to the house of God. We need to be dedicated all the time to the Lord, not just occasionally. Do you understand that? And this is what I see here when the Bible says she, she continued with this year by year. Notice if you would in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, let's turn over to 2 Timothy, over in the New Testament. We notice something here. Uh, about Timothy, of course, we saw that Samuel, uh, his mother dedicated him even before he was born. And then, and of course, as a little child, and then Samuel grew up in the, in, in the house of God. You know, there's just something good about getting children into the house of God, you know, when they're young, you see. You, you need to get them in the house of God before the world has a chance, before the devil has a chance to influence them. Did, did you hear me? That's why bringing your children to, to, to Sunday school on Sunday morning, a children's church, whatever you want to call it, we have an excellent children's church. You know, we have excellent people that, that, that oversee it. And it's important to bring your children and get them, get them in there. I'm so glad that my mom and my dad, they took me to, to the church. They took me to church on Sunday mornings and, and uh, they had me in Sunday school. And when I was young and, and the word of God was deposited into my heart before the devil had a chance to, to, you know, to get, get a hold of me. You see, it's just a good thing to bring your children to church and, and have them involved with the things of God and get the word of God into them when they're young. Amen. And, you know, it's one thing I've watched this over the many years where, you know, we're going to have a baby dedication here at the end of the service. And, and, and I've watched parents, they'll bring their children and dedicate them to the Lord. And, 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 and that's good. But then you don't ever see them anymore after that. Now, you see, what do we just say? When you dedicate your child to the Lord or when you dedicate yourself to the Lord, it's not just a one time thing, is it? It's an ongoing thing. Week after week, day after day, week after week, year after year. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and if all you do is bring your child to a dedication service and dedicate them to the Lord, and that's all you do, you don't have anything there. All you have is a re- little religious experience that lasts for five minutes and that's it. Is that right? See, thank God for the dedication service and all of that. But but it's it's important that you keep your children involved on a, on a, on a weekly basis in the house of God and, and work with them at home. You know, what did we just say? It's Sunday is just not enough. You share the word of God with your kids on a daily basis. Is that right? Somebody said, well, I can only share the word of God with them for five minutes a day because I'm real busy. How many of you know five minutes is better than none? Is that right? Here, a good example. Uh, you know, they were talking about underwear a minute ago. I'll talk about a shower. Has anybody ever taken a shower? It doesn't take very long to take a shower, really, does it? Maybe five minutes. But doesn't that five minutes make a world of difference? Huh? It doesn't it? So if you just share the word with your kids just a little bit every day, stay in the word of God yourself every day. Somebody said, well, I can only spend five minutes in, in the word a day. Isn't five minutes better than nothing? And, and doesn't five minutes in the shower, make, can't, can't that really make a big difference? 
How many of you know five minutes in a word could make a big difference, couldn't it? See, I think a lot of times the devil gets us into this thinking where if we don't spend 18 hours a day in the word of God, then we're, you know, no, 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 no. Just spend whatever time you can. That's better than nothing, isn't it? And I'd encourage you to spend as much time as you can, but I'm trying to help people that, that, you know, you think, well, I can only give five minutes to it. Well, five minutes is better than nothing, and five minutes can make a big difference. But it's important to get your kids, when they're little, into the, into the house of God. Look here at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The Apostle Paul is, is speaking here, and he says, you know, unctioned by the Spirit of God, and he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, talking to Timothy... But notice this, this faith was in him, it was genuine faith, it wasn't fake faith, it was genuine faith, was in Timothy, but notice it, it didn't start with Timothy, it started earlier, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. You see, Timothy was a fine young man of God. And he had genuine faith within him. But it didn't start with him. It started where? With his grandmother. And then she passed it along to her daughter. And then the both of them passed, evidently passed it on to Timothy, you see. And so they evidently instilled dedication within Timothy and the, the importance of being dedicated to God. And it started with the grandmother, then went to the mother, and then went, went to Timothy, you see. And notice here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. Let's go there. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. Notice what Paul then goes on to say here to Timothy. But you must... Now, what's that next word? You must what? You must continue, see, in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Well, who did he learn them from? His mother and his grandmother. And then, of course, Paul had an influence in his life as well. But he's saying to continue. It's one thing to, to dedicate yourself, but then it's another thing to continue in that. And that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for just a one-time I, you know, dedicate. He's looking for you to serve him on a regular, ongoing basis. Notice, and that from, notice verse 15, and that from childhood. Real loud say childhood. Yeah, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. See, his grandma and his, his mother got the word of God into him when he was young. This was long before he knew the Apostle Paul. And they got the word in Timothy when he was young. Which are, and then notice, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it's important to get the word of God into your children when they're young. It's important to teach them to dedicate themselves to the Lord and, and to show them that it's an ongoing thing. Notice Daniel, the sixth chapter and the tenth verse. Daniel, the sixth chapter and the tenth verse. You will see that Daniel... Uh, was devoted to the Lord. And, and what had happened is Daniel had been serving God and he'd been praying to the Lord and he was dedicated to the Lord and, and uh, the king was going to promote him. How many of you know dedication to the Lord will bring promotion in the process of time? And some of the other political leaders of that day were jealous and upset because the king was favoring Daniel. And so they got together and they had the king to sign this decree that anybody that worshiped the the lord would be thrown in the lion's den 
And so uh, that's what happened. And then notice right here when verse 6, Daniel 6.10, Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, you know, where the king had declared that anybody that worshipped, you know, the Lord would go in the lion's den. Notice what Daniel did. He went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Here's a man that was dedicated to God and he was not ashamed of it. Here's a man that was going to continue to be dedicated to the Lord no matter what. How many of you know we ought to be law-abiding citizens? Is that right? But doesn't the Bible also say we ought to obey God rather than man? So we need to obey the speed limit. We need to obey that. That's a law of man. That's that's good. But if they passed a law that, that said we couldn't come to church on Sunday, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come to church. Well, they're going to put you in jail. Guess what I'm going to do in jail? Win people to the Lord. Did you hear me? But I'm going to come to church because the Bible says we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Is that right? So, yeah, we obey the laws of man, but there's a higher law. It's the law of God. Amen. And so Daniel's going to obey God. And with his windows open, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. Actually, you studied out. It was three times a day. How many of you would agree that devoting yourself to the Lord three times a day, every day? That I mean, that's devotion, isn't it? Every day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now watch this. As was his what? Custom since early days. You can make argument there that he'd been doing this from the time he was young. And notice in chapter 6 here, verse 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve once in a while, whom you serve when you feel like it, no, whom you serve or whom you're dedicated to, how often? Continually, he will deliver you. And how many of you know the Lord did deliver him? Amen. But all I wanted you to see is that Daniel, from the time he was young, he was dedicated to the Lord and he was dedicated on a daily, ongoing basis. Now look at Luke, the second chapter in the 21st verse. Luke, the second chapter in the 21st verse. Let's look at our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He's our example, isn't he? Praise God. How many of you know he had no beginning, he had no end? Amen? Has no end. Had no beginning, has no end. How many of you know he's the second member of the Trinity? How many of you know Jesus is God? How many of you know that? Yes, he is. Also, you need to realize, though, that he took on human form, didn't he? Huh? Wasn't he born of a virgin? How many of you know he was born of a virgin? Yes, he was. And and he was still God when he walked around in the flesh, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. You also need to realize that when Jesus was on this earth in his earthly ministry, he was 100% God. But you know, he was also 100% human, wasn't he? He wasn't 50-50. Did you get what I just said? 100% God, 100% human. And and what I want to do is look at this from, from the human side here this morning. Notice what happened when he was eight days old. Here in Luke 2.21, and when, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called what? Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name, isn't there? 
I love that name. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her, that's Mary's, purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought, they brought, who was that? That was Mary and Joseph brought him to Jerusalem to do what? To present him to the Lord, you know, to, to God the Father, you see. But notice what his parents did. Now you understand Joseph was not his natural father. You understand that. But notice they brought him to Jerusalem to do what? Present him or to dedicate him to God the Father. So you see this dedication in Jesus' life. Now again, we understand that he's God. He certainly is. And the Bible says he created all things and all things were made by him and through him and nothing was made that wasn't made. It was all done by him. Amen? You understand that? Say amen. But we're not looking at his deity right now. We're looking at his humanity. Is that okay? And, and, and so he was dedicated, wasn't he? He was circumcised at eight days and then, and then dedicated to the Father. Is that right? Are you okay? And then notice, the, so this is, this is what, it, well, he's very young, eight days and just, just months or whatever, just very young. And then notice here in Luke, the second chapter, go down to verse 41. Now we'll skip ahead in time to when he's 12 years old. And notice what, what's going on with his parents when he's 12 years old. Look at this. His parents went to Jerusalem every, realize, say every year. Yeah, every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So they dedicated him that he was circumcised, circumcised at eight days, dedicated, you know, at, at that certain time when he's very young. And now he's 12 years old and his parents are still bringing him to the house of God. Is that right? Is, is that correct? So they're instilling in Jesus that he needs to be dedicated. And not just, not just when he, you know, not just a one-time deal, but we see he's 12 years old and they're doing this every year. You see dedications, not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. And then in verse 51, and when he went down, and, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. See, Jesus was not only dedicated to his father, and actually I didn't read it, but you can see where, remember when they left, you know, his parents left and they couldn't find him and they looked for him, what was it, for about three days and they found him. He lingered behind in Jerusalem there and they, where'd they find him? They found him where? Wouldn't that be wonderful if you lost your child and you found him in church? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, it wouldn't be wonderful if you lost your child. But wouldn't it be wonderful if you found him in church? Wouldn't that be better than finding him at the bar or at the casino? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be wonderful? Why do you think they found him in, 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 in the house of God? It was because they instilled dedication. We're looking at his, at his humanity. Now, they instilled this dedication into him when he was young, you see. And so now he's 12. Wouldn't it be a 12-year-old saying, hey, I want to go to church. I've seen some 12-years-old that they pester their parents on Sunday morning. They want to come to church. Isn't that a good thing? That's a good kind of pestering, isn't it? And then in Luke 4.16, go to Luke 4.16. We'll come ahead now in time. 30, Jesus is, is, is 30 years old now. And he's entering into his public ministry. 
In Luke 4, 16, he comes to Nazareth. And we understand he's about 30 years old now, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went in, and notices, as his custom was. Real loud, say, as his custom was. As his custom was. Did you know Jesus honored the house of God on a regular basis? He was taught that by his parents when he was very young. And he continued right on. Now he's 30 years old. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Doesn't the Bible say to train up a child in the way they should go? And when they're old, they'll not, what, depart from it. Is that what the Bible says? That's Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. When they're old, the Bible said when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Yeah, but my, 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 my son is 30 years old, and, and I trained him up in church, and he, and he got off track, and he's just not serving God. I, I, just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Stand on that scripture. He's not old yet. When he's old, he'll not what? Depart from it. Stand on that. You better stand on that. On his behalf. You understand that? And and, in the Amplified Version, Proverbs 22.6, the Amplified says it this way, Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift. As parents, you ought to seek the Lord and find out what it is that he has for your children. And then nurture them along those lines. Did you hear what I just said? I said, as a parent, seek the Lord concerning your children and find out what he wants them to do. And and let me just give you a piece of advice. I wouldn't go to your children and say, you know, God told me you're supposed to do thus and so. Don't do that. Let them discover it. Amen. I said, let them discover it. I said, let them discover it. But you be praying for them and nurture them. And notice what the Bible says. And in keeping with his individual gift, find out where your children are gifted. Find out where their interests are. Do you understand? And then nurture them along those lines. It, it, you know, a lot of times I've seen this over the years where, where for example, the, 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 the parents want their child to be an athlete. But the child has no gifting in that. They have no calling in that. They have no, no, you know, calling may not be the right word, but they have no interest or what. You understand what I'm saying? And then you watch the parent just try to make them into that great athlete. But, but all the time, God doesn't want them to be that. He wants them to be a school teacher. How many of you know it's good to be a school teacher? Amen. We need good school teachers that are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. All I'm trying to say is, seek the Lord, be sensitive, and don't try to make your child something that they're not. Is that fair? But train them in the Word of God. And, and I tell you what, train them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Are you okay with that? Everybody alright? I don't try to tell anybody how to raise their children, but I'm giving you some good scriptural things here to think about. Amen? Now, Jesus, we see that he's still dedicated at the age of 30. And if you would go to John, the seventh chapter in the 53rd verse, I want to show you something here about Jesus. How many of you know Jesus had power in his life, didn't he? Did he have power in his life? 
Somebody said, well, that's because he was the son of God. Yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he was God. You need to realize in this earth, he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost. If he was operating as God, why did he need to be anointed with the Holy Ghost? It was his humanity that needed to be anointed with the Spirit of God. Amen? And and Jesus operating as man, yes, he was God, but he was just as human as you or, or me. And he had so much power in his life, and I understand that was, yes, because the Spirit of God came on him. I understand that. But you need to understand something else Jesus did. You know Jesus. He was dedicated to his Father. You need to understand what he did, though. He he realized, say, Jesus prayed. And in the Bible, when you see dedication, you can't separate biblical dedication from prayer. Teach your children to pray. Somebody said, well, I don't know how to pray myself. Well, you better learn how to pray. Because your children are depending on you to teach them how to pray. Because you see, it's in prayer that we dedicate ourselves to the Lord. You cannot separate Biblical dedication from prayer. To say biblical dedication is to say prayer. To say prayer is to say biblical dedication. And, and Jesus was dedicated, you know, at eight days and then, and then, and then again right after that they presented him and then we see him at 12 years old and then at 30 years old. One thing we see about Jesus is that he is dedicated to his father and how do we know that? Because he prayed almost Without almost all the time. You really look at Jesus life. You you know when he'd get up early in the morning. You know what he'd get up early to go do. How many of you know what he got up early to do. To pray. The Bible said he pulled aside into the wilderness. You know what he was doing when he pulled aside into the wilderness. He was praying. Amen. The Bible said he'd go up on the mountain. How many of you know what he'd do when he went up on the mountain. He'd pray. Look at this right here, John 7.53. This, I saw this some years ago and I can see why Jesus had so much power when other people didn't. And everyone went to his own house. But look at chapter 8 verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. What did he go to the Mount of Olives to do, do you think? To what? To pray. See, while everybody else is going to their own house, he's going to pray. I tell you what, let's, you and I be, while everybody else is going doing their own thing, let's be sure you and I are praying. Amen? Let's be praying. Let's be people of prayer. How can we know if we're dedicated to God if we're people of prayer? If we're people of prayer, we're dedicated to God. And you look at Jesus' life and you see that Jesus was was dedicated to his father. He learned it. I'm talking about God the Father. He learned it as a little child, you know, from his from his natural parents, you know, from 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 uh, his stepdad Joseph and from from his mom Mary. He learned this as, as a little child and he he maintained it all the way through and and we see Jesus praying and praying and praying and and I just want to share with you briefly here just a few things we see the results of Jesus dedication in prayer this might make you hungry to dedicate yourself to God in prayer notice dedication in prayer prepares us for the unexpected difficult situations of life how many of you've ever run into an unexpected difficult situation well I tell you what you know how you deal with that be sure that 
before that difficult situation ever showed up that you've dedicated yourself in prayer to the Lord. Because you see, Jesus had been praying and he comes from prayer and the next thing you know, the religious wolves of that day brings to him a woman taken in adultery. How many of you remember that? And remember Jesus stooped down on the ground and he wrote in the sand. Remember that? He was caught between a rock and a hard place. If he says, don't stone her, it's to violate the law of Moses. If he says, do stone her, it's violating his teaching on love. So what did he do? He knelt down and he waited on the Holy Ghost to give him the right answer. And the right answer was, you that are out there without sin, you cast a stone first. Can you say amen? But where did he get that? He got that from a time and dedication to prayer. He came from prayer and he was hit with that unexpected situation and he had an answer for it. If you want to have an answer for the unexpected situations of life, be sure that you dedicate yourself to God in prayer. You see, dedication in prayer is necessary for the power of God to be present. How many of you remember that time where the, 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 those, those four guys, I think it was, tore the roof off the house and they lowered that guy down in front of Jesus? How many of you remember that? Well, if you study that story out and back up just a little bit before Jesus ever showed up at the house, how many of you know before he ever showed up at the house, he was praying, you see. That's what made the power of God available to heal people. Praise God. I believe if we'll dedicate ourselves to God, we can still see people healed today. Amen? I've seen hundreds of them healed in the last 17 years. I believe we're just warming up. Can you say amen? Because God's still in the healing business. But you're not going to get that power of God by accident. We're going to have to seek God and be people of prayer. Amen. But Jesus came from prayer and the power was present to heal. And they lowered that guy and he said, take up your bed and walk. And how many of you know the power of God hit him and healed him? But it all originated in Jesus's prayer life. You see, Jesus was a person of prayer and prayer prepares us to make important decisions. The Bible says that Jesus prayed all night before he chose his 12 apostles. How many of you know choosing apostles? That's an important thing. So you see, he was in prayer. Be sure you spend time in prayer before you make any major decision. Dedicate yourself to God. Dedication in prayer changes us and prepares us for things to come. How many of you remember Jesus went up onto that Mount of Transfiguration? How many of you remember that? And up while up there, the Bible says that his presence was changed. I tell you what... uh, if we'll be people of prayer, I, I've already seen it over the years where I've watched people that they've dedicated themselves to prayer and they, and they prayed and they sought God and you could actually, you could actually sense the power of God on them. You could actually see their countenance would change and they'd walk in a room and the, and the, and the atmosphere would change because they've come from the presence of God. That's something that I'm, I'm desirous for. When I walk in the room that, 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 that the, the presence of God walks in there with me. How do you get that? You get that by being dedicated to God in prayer. And so Jesus was up on that mount and he dedicated himself and he was up there praying with Peter, James and John. How many remembers that? And the Bible says his appearance was changed. He was transfigured. See, and then of course he was shown and and, and talked to about his upcoming death, you know, on the cross. You see, he was shown things to come. If we'll get alone with God and spend time with God, he'll show us things to come. How many of you know Jesus said when the helper, the Holy Ghost has come, he'll show you things to come. Amen. But that doesn't 
happen by accident. We have to be people of prayer. And to be a person of prayer is to be a person that's dedicated to God. Uh, notice this about Jesus and his prayer life. Dedication in prayer empowers us to successfully deal with the devil. How many of you remember when Jesus came off of that mount of transfiguration? He'd been up there praying and he comes down and he runs up on the scene where they had brought this demon-possessed boy uh, uh, to his disciples. And how many of you know his his disciples couldn't cast the demon out? How many remembers that? Do you remember that? And Jesus said, bring him to me. And he cast the demon out. And then when he was alone with his disciples, he said, they they asked him, why couldn't we cast him out? And and he said, this kind cometh out not but by prayer. Can you say amen? See, why could Jesus cast it out? He could cast it out because he had been with his heavenly father and he came from that time of prayer and he was able to deal successfully with the devil. Can you say amen? Dedication in prayer. See, what are we talking about here today? We're talking, we're not talking about a one-time deal where we just say, Lord, I dedicate myself to you and then go off and do whatever we want. I'm talking about living a life dedicated to God day in, day out, day in, day out. How many of you know you can still enjoy the Cardinals beating the Rangers and be a person of prayer? Amen? I'm not saying you can't enjoy those things. Just don't make those things your God. Be sure that your dedication to God in prayer, be sure you do your praying before you watch the Cardinals. Amen? So I said, you pray for the Cardinals to win. I'm going to, I'm going to burst your bubbles, but God is not concerned about that. He's, no, he's not, dear sister. He's concerned about spiritual things. But I enjoy watching the game. How many of you glad they trounced them last night? But that's not my God. Can you say amen? Okay. I'm not saying we can't enjoy life. We enjoy, just don't make those things your God. Keep God as God. Be dedicated to Him in prayer. But you see, Jesus was a person of prayer. And how many of you would like to walk in the midst of the storm, in the miraculous, on top of the problems of life? How many of you know the disciples were in a storm? And they were about to be destroyed, is that right? And somebody came walking on the water in the midst of the storm. Walking on the water, that's pretty good, isn't it? In the, is that in the miraculous? Walking on the water in the midst of the storm. And somebody said, peace, be still. And it got quiet. Who, who said that? That was Jesus. We got to go back all the way till he's eight days old and they dedicated him. Is that right? Twelve years old, they're taking him to the temple. And now he's walking. So I'm looking at this from his humanity now. He's walking on the water. He's commanding the wind and the wave. Is that right? Does anybody know where he came from before he did that? He came from... Is that right? He came from prayer. Speaking of walking in the miraculous, how many of you know those lions didn't chew Daniel up, did they? And they were fierce lions, weren't they? Because those people that conspired against him, they got thrown in that den of lions sometime later and it devoured them, the Bible. Those lions devoured them before they even hit the floor. Is that right? So it was a miracle that, that the angel came and shut the lion's mouth. Is that right? Why was it? It was because Daniel was a man of faith and he was a man of dedication. He was a man of prayer. And we see Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry, right before he goes on the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying this prayer. And somebody says, is it okay to pray for something more than once? Well, I tell you what, when it comes to the prayer of dedication, it certainly is. 
And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's there sweating, as it were, drops of blood. And he's dedicated himself to his father. And he says, Father, if there be any other way, remove this cup from me. But if not, he says, what does he say? He says, not my will, but thy will be done. And he prayed that three times. You remember that? The same thing. What was he doing? He was keeping himself dedicated to the will of his father. He told the disciples, he said, pray lest ye enter into temptation. See, if you want to be successful in resisting temptation, be a person dedicated in prayer. You'll never be able to resist temptation if you wait till the temptation hits you to resist it. You have to resist temptation before it ever shows up in the prayer, in your prayer time. Did you hear me? And Jesus was dedicated and, and now he's in that garden of Gethsemane and he's praying if it be that he said if, if there's any other way let this cup pass. He said nevertheless not my will but what but thy will be done. So we see him right at the end of his ministry before he goes on the cross we see him praying that prayer of dedication. And then he's on the cross. He's about to die. It's interesting we see two things. Many things we see, but that I want to point out here today. He said to John, who stood nearby, he said, behold your mother. And he said to his mother, mother, behold your son. What did he do? He turned his mother over to John. Is that right? He was dedicated to his parent, wasn't he? Is that right? Jesus was a man of dedication. And then... Right before he dismisses his spirit, let's see how dedicated he was to his father. He said, Father, into your hands I what? I commit or commander, dedicate my spirit. And then he yielded up his spirit. Jesus was a person of dedication all the way from the time he was born until the time he died upon the cross. And then we know three days after that he's raised from the dead. Many things transpire, you know. He, he, he goes into heaven, presents his blood on the mercy seat and all of that, you know, and, and then he ministers on the earth for a while after that, the Bible says, and then he's caught back up into glory. How many remembers that? And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. I wonder if Jesus is still dedicated today. The Bible says he ever lives to what? Make intercession for us. He's still praying today, isn't he? I close this message by bringing to your remembrance a man named Samson. Does anybody remember Samson? That strong man of the Old Testament, a judge of Israel, was a person with great potential who fell short because of his lack of dedication to God. Mighty in calling and mighty in physical strength, the Spirit of God would move upon Samson. And the hand of God would come mightily upon him, yet he was weak in resisting temptation. How many of you know he was weak in resisting temptation? And when somebody's weak in resisting temptation, we understand that they're not a person of prayer. And if they're not a person of prayer, they're not a person of dedication. And I can't see where Samson was a person of dedication. But he had a call of God on his life. You know, I was talking with my wife the other day and we, 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 we have been in ministry a long time doing this and we've come to conclude that someone not called of God yet dedicated can accomplish more for God than someone called 
and not dedicated. But boy, if you can get them together. And Samson ends up, because of his lack of dedication, he ends up, I mean, his birth was supernatural. The angel spoke to his mom, to his mom and dad. He was born. And I mean, the Bible said the Spirit of God moved upon him. But we see that he was never a person of dedication, never a person of prayer. And he winds up with his hair cut off, his eyes plucked out, a laughing stock grinding at the devil's mill with the Spirit of God departed from him. It costs to not be dedicated to God. And his life is a clear warning against the dangers of self-indulgence and lack of dedication. But you know what? There's good news even for Samson because the Bible said that his hair began to grow again after it had been shaven. And even though he was chained up between those two pillars and his eyes plucked out and he's standing there, he's a laughing stock for the devil. You see, if you're not a person of prayer, if you're not a person of dedication, eventually you'll wind up as a laughing stock of the devil. But even in that hour, when he's chained between those two pylons, the Bible says his hair began to grow again after it had been shaven. And he cries out and he says, Oh God, let the, let, let, let the Spirit of God come on me one more time. That I, let that strength return to me. And how many of you know, the Spirit of God came back on him. The power of God came back on him. And he pulled those pylons down. What did he do in that mid- Midnight hour, he lived a life not dedicated to God as he should have been. But you know, even in that midnight hour, he dedicated himself to God and God received. How many of you know God is a good God, isn't he? He's merciful and and tender and he forgave Samson. How do I know that? Because he's in the hall of fame of faith over in Hebrews 11 and the power of God came back on him and he pulled those beams down and he yielded himself. Notice when he dedicated himself to God, yes, he died young. And all of that, and I could get into all that, but notice, here's a man with a calling of God who did accomplish some things for God without dedication, but notice in that midnight hour with that calling of God, when he did finally sell out to God, when he did finally dedicate himself to God, he pulls those pylons down under the power of God, and the Bible says he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. He did more in in that one moment of dedication to God did more in that one moment than he did in his whole life. Let's be dedicated to God. Stand with me, if you would, in the presence of God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as Brian and Debbie come forward and any family members that you want to bring, more than welcome. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. 